Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So this is part two, right? Part two of Kiss of Midnight by Lara Adrian. So we're starting at chapter 18 and going to the end. Okay, you go. Okay. Chapter 18 opens up with the rogue leader must be in his like lair or condo. Who knows? (laughs) He is a very fancy rogue leader. Yes. So he is actually drinking from a human female. I don't know. This human female must have a name tag on or something because... It says K Delaney RN. And lo and behold, it's Gabrielle's friend Kendra that's been MIA ever since she met up with that one guy at the club. Yeah, well, I think they they said at one point that they had some new recruits in the basement and she was in her nurse's uniform, Mm -hmm. I think. So that's probably where the name tag came from. Okay, yeah, so there you go. Because she's in his, like apartment or what have you she looks around and she recognizes some photographs that he has as belonging to a friend of hers what a coin gabrielle she's like oh my god i I know that artist those aren't your pictures those are my friends and he's like i bought those so now all of a sudden instead of just being a normal host that the rogue leader can drink from now he has a more of an interest in kendra this backfires on her because he's now so interested in kendra that he ends up turning her into a minion yeah sad poor kendra Poor Kendra's right. No one wants to be a minion. Unless but they're the, she, cu- the cute little yellow ones. I wouldn't mind that. But a, this kind of minion? No, thank you. But she had to know that things were going to end badly for her because she was dating or hooking up with that one guy, Brent, I think mm-hmm. was his name. Yes. So she was already into this dark, shifty world. But she didn't know. She met him at the club. Well, okay. <laughs> I, th- I assume that she knew that he was a vampire. Oh, no. I don't. Well, not in think so. I don't know. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. So now we're on Gabrielle's POV. Her friend Megan has been leaving her a bunch of voicemails about the stuff that's kind of been happening lately. And she really wants Gabrielle to go to the police to file a report, even though her boyfriend Ray is a cop and he probably could just take the report yes, from he, her. Right, exactly. But she's really insisting that Gabrielle go to the cop to talk about what happened. She also t- uh, leaves a message telling Gabrielle that the body of the creepy clerk that was following her that had attacked her in the park, that his body was found at that park where she was attacked. Uh, yeah. And she also tells Gabrielle about that cop that had been murdered. Yes, and she tells her that the guy in the park was apparently killed by some animal. A suspicious animal attack, as these yes. vampire things tend to be. Mm-hmm, as they tend to be written off as. So Gabrielle Gabrielle's now like in her kitchen and Lucan is there. Yeah, she suddenly feels his presence. Mm-hmm. 
She tries to ward him off with holy water and garlic, and it doesn't work. He basically laughs at her. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah he, like, rinses his mouth out with the holy water, just, yeah, like, really rub or, it in her face how, yeah, how naive <laughs> she is. Right. So he finally, at this point, tells her about the breed. Also tells her about his alien origins. Yeah, wouldn't you think there was a psychopath <laughs> standing in your kitchen if you were having this conversation? I love her response, though. She's like, your father was not only a vampire, <laughs> but an alien besides. <laughs> right. So do you have any idea how insane that sounds? Well, she, she is a little leery of crazy people because, you know, her mother was deemed insane. Yeah. He does confess everything to her here, which I liked. He finally came clean all at once. Does also tell her the fact that she's taking photos of all of these things, all of these different places, the rogue layers, yeah, the breed mansion headquarters things. He's saying that she's really not helping herself with these vampire issues and that this was inevitable for her to get wrapped up into all of this stuff right and she did she wasn't aware subconsciously she was taking all these pictures but she was completely unaware yeah she had no idea she didn't know that she was a breed mate herself she didn't know any of this stuff mm -hmm. so of course lucan wants her to gather up all of her photos like the physical photos the computer all the u.s everything she has and he's like we got to get out of here he's says like especially because she has photos from the psych ward asylum which they think is the rogue headquarters well not only that she has photos of where the breeds people live so if they fell into the hands of the enemy the enemy would know something's up with that oh yeah absolutely she's just got photos everywhere of all the things yeah <laughs> <laughs> So she ends up telling him about her mom and what happened 27 years ago with the vampire attack for um, her mom. He ends up realizing that he was the one that was there the night that her mom was attacked. Yeah. What are the odds? We're full circle here. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> full thing, I should say. Yeah. They're trying to gather everything up so they can leave the apartment quickly. But before they can leave her apartment, her friend Megan and Megan's boyfriend, Ray, show up. Because Gabrielle wasn't answering the phone and she wasn't returning any of the calls. So they just showed up to check on her. They do end up having a talk. But then at the end of their talk, Lucan ends up wiping their memories and they do take off. Yes, it's for the best. So they don't end up like... Kendra. Yes, and the whole time Gabrielle's freaking out, like, don't hurt them. Right. Don't do whatever. But he doesn't do anything to them. He just wipes their memory. Right. So Lucan does take Gabrielle to the breed compound. He introduces her to all of the other warriors and tells them all that she is under his protection, of course. Yes. They end up reviewing the video feed, or maybe they were already, like, starting to do this. The reviewing the video feed from the explosion that happened that ended up the one that killed Conlin and hurt Rio. So they're reviewing the video footage and Gabrielle is there in the room with them and she ends up recognizing the bomber. Yes. And she, this was kind of, I didn't expect this part. She recognizes the bomber as Brent, the guy that Kendra was seeing from the club. Again, what are the, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah. 
of course, she starts to freak out. She wants to check on Kendra and check that Kendra's all right. But Lucan refuses to let her. Of course. Well, of course, he doesn't want her to have her cell phone. He doesn't want her to leave. He says, he basically... Not basically, he does. He says, if your friend is wrapped up with this guy, you should write her off. She's already dead. He's not wrong, but it's a little harsh how he puts it. Well, you know, he's an all business kind of guy. He's not the let's, you know, he's straight to the point. Yes, that's true. And I don't understand why she's not a little more concerned. If this, if I finally started to realize that all this was happening i'd be like whatever you say dude maybe because this is a lot of information for her but at the same time she's always felt like an outsider so now things are so crazy but they're also starting to make sense to her well i don't know i don't know either if i was her i'd be so worried about myself i wouldn't care about my friends i mean that's what i mean in the breed compound that's what i mean yeah okay she's a better friend than i am apparently because i'd be all about saving (laughs) my own ass (laughs) well we know where you get that from Mm -hmm. yeah so gabrielle is in the breed compound like we said she ends up meeting gideon's mate her name is savannah savannah ends up telling her a little bit about life as a breed mate and she also includes in her information about how breed mates don't age if they're paired off because they the blood bond this sharing of blood between the two mates keeps them young unaging and young forever yeah that so was long- that was a different kind of slant on bonded pairs have you heard that before that they drink from the human will drink from the vampire no okay I don't think I have, but it does kind of, it's a good way to have the mortal human Mm -hmm. live as long as her immortal alien boyfriend. (laughs) That's true, because usually I think, well, they're going to end up taking care of some 80-year-old woman or 90-year-old woman, and he's still going to be young and handsome. Nope, she's going to have that hot 27-year-old body forever. Well, being one of their mates sounds pretty good to me, if that's the payoff. Yeah, exactly. So in this conversation, she also finds out that Lucan is at least 900 years old. Yeah, which I actually thought that he would be older considering based the alien, uh, what the ancestors, ancients, they call them. I mean, the ancients landed 1000s of years ago, I thought Lucan would be way older than 900. But maybe because he has older brothers. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know either. But that's yeah, that is an interesting point. Yeah. Oh, during this conversation, Savannah herself is surprised to hear Gabrielle tell her that Lucan hasn't bitten her because Savannah just assumed that they were already mated because Lucan's like never brought a woman around and Gabrielle is a breed mate. But then when Gabrielle's like, oh, he's he hasn't bitten me and he's told me he's never going to bite me. She doesn't get the ramifications of that, but Savannah does. And it's actually kind of sad. It is sad. Yeah. She's like, well, if he hasn't bitten you, that means he like doesn't want you. Right. (laughs) So sad. He's going to be getting rid of you. Yes. You're temporary. Yes. So Lucan finally gives Gideon something from Gabrielle's house. It's a USB that has a bunch of photos on it. And he tells him to like look through it. And on that USB are photos of the rogue lair. Like I've said, it's what the psych ward has now turned into. Mm -hmm. And so now... Gideon is doing more research like he always does. Gideon is trying to have a talk with Lucan about how Lucan cares for Gabrielle. And he really wants Lucan to 
accept that he is interested in a female finally after all this time. But Lucan just wants to have like nothing to do with it. And he shuts Gideon down. Yeah, he's just dedicated to being a soldier for the breed. And it's basically like, once all of this is taken care of, she's going to go to one of the Dark Havens. And that's that. So eventually, Gabrielle meets back up with Lucan. They start talking and Lucan ends up telling her that they started this compound in Boston in 1898 as the breed headquarters for hunting rogues. Lucan also tells Gabrielle about his parents and that his father eventually succumbed to bloodlust and murdered his mother. Yeah. He says the ancients are always more prone to bloodlust. This is another reason why Lucan is worried that eventually this will happen to him. Well, he also tells her about his two brothers, right? That also succumbed to the bloodlust. One was killed in a war and the other one committed suicide. I think so, because he does tell her about how he, Lucan, declared war on all of the ancients after his father did this to his mother. And Lucan ended up killing his own father, right? Yes. So he killed his father. He declared war on all of the ancients and any breed who served them. Yeah, and he tells her he's never going to stop fighting. It's what he lives for, dealing death. And she's like, someday you'll win, Lucan, and the violence will finally be over. But he, She's so naive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he has his own struggle with the bloodlust overcoming him. Yeah, he's always having these problems, and they just seem to get worse now that he's met her. So he tries to leave because he's pissed off, and he's super hungry, thirsty, what have you. She won't let him leave, though. And he starts having, like, a debilitating attack of blood hunger, but she's able to soothe him enough that he, like, falls asleep. Yeah, that was a little odd. Yeah, because she's, like, after him. How come you're so different? Why won't you talk to me? You know, it's a typical relationship shit. And then he ends up losing his mind and, you know, feeling the overwhelming need to for blood. And I think the longer he's with her, the more he wants to drink her blood. But he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to have the bond with her. Right. So it's just this constant battle for him. So a little while later, Lucan ends up waking up and he feels a lot better. When he wakes up, he notices that Gabrielle is in his shirt. And we know boys always like this, even if they're half vampire aliens. She says that she's wearing his shirt because someone came to the door to check on him. And she answered it in his shirt to make them think that he was busy because they were like doing the deed but she just really was protecting him like she tends to do and she didn't want whoever was at the door to realize that he was having this episode yeah she's covering for him once again he ends up thanking her for the nursing duties by eating her out oh god yeah they're they're constantly like rewarding each other for nursing duties (laughs) with oral sex well nursing duties are very very important Mm-hmm. So, you know, she was a good girl. She deserves a reward, apparently. Apparently so. Of course, he's so into it that his fangs start to come out. And he's worried that she'll freak out when she sees his fangs. Because apparently every other time they've had sex, he's insisted that the lights be off so she won't see this about him. Yeah, but- it's a it's a switcheroo of where the woman's usually saying, turn out the lights. 
Oh, I didn't even think of that, but you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she says that she wants every part of him, like keep the lights on. I'm not scared of you, what have you. And then they start to have sex. Of course, they're done having sex, but he's still not completely satisfied because he's still not biting her and drinking her blood. Right. And he says that he can't because it will bind them together. And then he explains a little bit more about the breed mate mark and bonding he says that he can't drink from her because he won't bond to her when he is having these problems with his bloodlust because they're too similar to what happened with his father he at this point also tells her that maybe it's like a common problem with the gen one vampires because he says tegan is also a gen one vampire so that's like the first we've heard of that now we really see that his problems with Tegan really go back centuries at this point. Um, but then he starts to say some really mean stuff to her about love is BS and that he wants to keep it casual between them. And then he's basically says, I told you I would help you find your destiny, but I never said it was with me. Like the good situation dissolves pretty quickly here. The last thing he says to her before he walks out of the room is, you have found your destiny, Gabrielle. Just like I said you would, I never told you it would be with me. And I thought, <sighs> that's a really good line. It was a good line, but it also was like a gut punch. So I was like, oh, what are you doing, Luke? And you do like her. Like, no, he's you... a crazy maker. He said so much mean shit to her in this part. Yeah. You know, he said something to her about like, because he wanted to keep it casual. And he says something like, I never heard you complaining because basically right. saying like you enjoyed the sex too. Yeah, men are such fucking assholes. Apparently, even if they're vampires. <laughs> vampire aliens it's like the thing i posted on instagram different planet same yes issues. yes exactly <laughs> still applies here <laughs> but she is to blame too because you know where's your self-respect woman yeah i suppose yeah I, I mean i would be throwing myself at this guy shamelessly too so. <laughs> <laughs> you tramp <laughs> not really <laughs> well then understand it's just for the great sex you know, mm -hmm. it's fine to throw yourself at him, but obviously he's got issues and he doesn't want a relationship with you. So just fucking bang him every time you can and, you know, just take what you can. Easier said than done, I suppose. Well, I guess you learn with age. And then by the time you figure it out that that's what you should do, you're too old and no one wants to lay you. So it's really kind of sad. Oh, that is sad. It is. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> the next day she just is thinking about what he said to her and she goes into the bathroom to find a mirror so that she can look at this birthmark that is behind her left ear or rather the breed mark and she admits to herself that she was she is completely and totally head over heels in love with him and she berates herself and says well that that's not very smart yeah it's really not but you know, the heart wants what it wants. Well, right. Yes. And she thinks, you know, he, Lucan made it pretty clear. Whatever they had together, it was over. But is it? <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. So sometime later, she ends up running into Tegan. Um, he's as ominous and broody as ever. And he ends up telling her, they have a very brief exchange. He ends up telling her, don't get too attached to Lucan. Odds are real good that vampire is not going to live much longer. Mm -hmm. And then even after that, he continues to be an asshole 
to Lucan because he makes some snarky comments about Gabrielle and about how he saw her. Yeah. So he's just constantly stirring the pot and doing himself no favor. Well, he hates Lucan. Mm-hmm. So Lucan decides to try to apologize to Tegan about things that happened to them in their past. But Tegan is having none of it and he brushes him off. He says something like, you're several hundred years too late for this apology. I was going to say, you know, it's a yeah. little a little too late there, dude. Uh, meanwhile, the rogue leader gets a phone call from someone that he's heard from before. Uh, this mystery person on the other end of the call gives the rogue leader all sorts of insider information as to what the breed will be doing next. So there's some sort of vampire mole situation happening. Yeah, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. the, the person spills their, tells him everything, where they're going to attack, when they're going to attack. The person says to him, don't forget our bargain. Don't hurt that person, the one person. Injure him, but don't kill him. Well, the caller really wants Lucan to die. Yes. So he says, it says, Lucan's death had been part of their agreement once before, but execution of the task had not quite gone as planned. This time, the caller wanted assurances that the deed would in fact be carried out, even went so far as to remind him that he had been given considerable compensation for the act, but had yet to make good on his part. So whoever this person is on the other line, they're really trying to force the rogue leader's hand and get Lucan out of the picture. Oh, and then it says, I think it's after they hang up the phone with one another. Then it says about the rogue leader, it says the dermaglyphs at his wrist pulsed with the deep hue of his rage. Cause they're like those chameleons. Remember from part one and they change color, like the mood ring. Yes. So his colors were shifting within the pattern of other markings that had been tattooed on his skin as a form of disguise. He scowled at the need to hide his lineage, his birthright, with crude ink and secrecy. He loathed the necessity of his shadowy existence almost as much as he did all those who stood in the way of his goals. So we don't know who the rogue leader is, but they've got these dermoglyphs just like the other breed members do. Yes. So it, very interesting. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to read that when I read it. Mm -hmm. And he wanted Lucan and all the other warriors dead. He's out for payback or blood or all of the above. Whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all of the above. Correct. Yeah. So now the next night, all of the breed warriors go on a big hunting mission. While they're gone, uh, one of the ladies gives Gabrielle her cell phone and says, basically, this was a peace offering from Lucan. He's trying to kind of uh, make up for that fight that they had. Of course, he's not going to talk to her directly and apologize. But right. he gives her her freaking phone back. Yeah, and says, you know, you can't leave the coop, the compound, but you can have your phone. Yeah, but of course, now that she has her phone, she ends up having a million uh, messages from Megan and Kendra. Yeah. Um, she ends up calling Megan and telling her some sort of lie about how she was, how she is away on a photography job. Yes. So that's her excuse for why she's MIA at this point. Yeah, and Megan's totally cool because uh, Lucan had wiped her memory, so she's not worried about Gabrielle. Yeah, now Megan doesn't really care. Not that she doesn't care, but she just doesn't remember. Oh, and also um, Megan tells her that 
she thinks Kendra is done with the guy from the club, Brent, and she's very relieved to hear that. Oh yeah, that's right. But but Kendra has to be done with the guy Brent because Brent was the suicide bomber from the video. So of course Kendra's done with Brent. Yes. But still. Okay. Yeah. So now we're where the breed warriors are at the warehouse. They end up killing a bunch of rogues. It starts off pretty well. They're doing pretty good at first, but things escalate very quickly when a second wave of rogues come into the warehouse. And now the breed warriors finally realize that it's an ambush. Yes. While they're fighting with all of these rogues, one of the rogues like breaks through the ceiling or something because he's in like the roof rafters. Yeah, that's what I understood it to be. Mm hmm. And that rogue ends up dropping a literal bomb on them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because that's their, that's how they operate now. They're, they're like, after all these years of fighting, they're like, you know what we should do? Bomb them. It is the fastest way to do it, probably. Yeah. Especially if these rogues are like minion rogues and they're doing whatever the rogue leader is telling them. They're dispendable. Correct. Expendable. Expendable. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) all right i can't remember words all the time (laughs) Uh, so then the guys the breed warriors get back to the compound they're all pretty fucked up at this point very very messed up all of them except tegan because tegan is mia he had taken off directly from the warehouse and he has not returned to the compound with anybody else right everything keeps pointing to him that he must be the bad guy so the most messed up warrior out of all of them is actually rio poor rio i know poor bastard yeah (laughs) (laughs) eva his mate starts to really freak out she's screaming that it shouldn't have been him she eventually says that it should have been lucan and that that was part of the deal that she had made so this was shocking to me it's the mate yes me too i thought it was going to be one of the breed warriors But it turns out that Eva was the mole and she had made the deal with the rogue leader because she didn't want Rio to be fighting anymore. She wanted them to move to a dark haven facility. Yeah, because she wanted him to be out of danger and she wanted them to have a family and she was over all the fighting. Kind of like how Gideon is now doing like the desk job because him and Savannah came to the agreement. Yeah, why couldn't Rio just get a desk job too? I think Rio really liked being a warrior and she just didn't, instead yeah, of having yeah. this conversation with him, she just went like behind his back. Yeah, she's like, like, oh, I know what hand. I'll do. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what I'll do. I'll find this horrible leader of the rogues and strike a deal with him. I don't know what her ultimate end game was either, because if Lucan was dead, she wants to like disband the breed warriors and then go, then she would think that they would go to the Dark Haven. But then the Dark Haven is not going to have the protection of the breed warriors. So her plan was just half cocked. Yeah, all full of holes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not not well thought out at all. So Rio is barely alive. But he is aware enough of her betrayal and he ends up denouncing Eva as his mate. That was sad. Oh, it was really sad. He can barely talk, but he does manage to get out. Eva, I denounce you. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up slitting her own throat because she can't take it. It's like, oh my God. Right. He tells this her to was leave. Her bed worse. Yeah. And she's like, you can't mean that. Mm hmm. He's like, yeah, I do. Get out. And Gabrielle tries to stop her, but Lucan 
holds on to her and her, lets Eva kill herself. Because really, what are they going to do with her? I guess it was, you know. <laughs> well, she had betrayed all of them. So either way, like. Yeah. You what, know. What were they going to do with her at that point? They couldn't send her to the Dark Haven. I don't think they have jails. I don't know. Do they? Then they're Later at, on, Go ahead. Then they're in Lucan's bed, bedroom and Gabrielle's just gotten out of the shower. Oh, yeah. I think they're in his room and she starts. That's where she starts to question him about this whole situation with Tegan. Gabrielle questions Lucan about the beef that he has with Tegan. He finally tells her their whole backstory. Turns out that Lucan killed Tegan's breed mate hundreds of years ago. Tegan's breed mate was kidnapped and turned into a minion. Tegan had tried to keep her alive for about a year, which was shocking to me. Yeah, he was feeding her his blood to try to get her to come back. Mm-hmm. So That's, sad. Yeah. Or Tegan. Yeah. And Lucan finally ended up taking Tegan, locking him up. Mm -hmm. And while Tegan was locked up, he murdered the breed mate. And Tegan was basically suffering from a bloodlust addiction by the time Lucan locked him up because he was drinking so much blood from humans so that he could feed so much of his blood to his breed mate. So this is where I have questions. They okay. said earlier in the book that nobody can come back from bloodlust, but now they're saying, oh, it's an addiction and he can go through the withdrawals. Yeah, I had questions about this too. I think he was almost there, but not completely there. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah, it didn't say that in the in the book. It says I, Tegan wasn't freed until his his body had withdrawn from its bloodlust addiction. It took several months of near starvation and absolute agony for him to be able to walk out of that cell on his own on his own legs. Usually it's feet, but in this this author believes their legs. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, okay. So this does not make sense to me at all. Well, it says also that um, he fed to feed her. He didn't care that he was steadily sliding into bloodlust. For that entire year, he defied breed law and would not put her out of her misery. Oh, I guess he was supposed to murder his own mate, which sounds like a horrible law, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. As so, for Tegan himself, he was slowly but surely going rogue. Something had to be done. So at times the author says that there's only a, the separation between rogue and regular vampire is a matter of ounces and it doesn't take much to tip the scales into the bloodlust rogue situation. But then on like something like this, Tegan was basically a wild rabid animal for a year Right. And he was still able to recover. Yeah. A little bit of a contradiction, but okay. And of course, Gabrielle thinks that Lucan, you know, she understands him better now that it was very hard for him to have to kill uh, Tegan's breed mate, but Tegan couldn't do it. And she feels like, you know, he is really deep down has a good heart. Absolutely. She really tries her hardest to convince Lucan that he is a good guy, that he has honor and she thinks he's noble. He doesn't want to hear anything about it though. And he tries to grab all of his stuff yet again. He's like, yeah, he's always running. Escape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Considering he's 900 years old, he doesn't have a shit together at, at all. Well, you know, what do you expect? <laughs> 
some things never change with right. men. Yeah. So he wants to go to the asylum because he wants to give payback to them for the attack at the warehouse. But she's like, you can't leave right now because you're injured. All the other warriors are injured. Like, you need to recover. I know you're pissed off, but you have to stay and, like, think rationally about this. She ends up trying to cut herself to force him to feed from her because he's, of course, still starving. Yeah, I didn't like this part. But he gets really pissed off and is like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. What you are you doing? Do yes. Mm-hmm. She confesses here that she loves him. He does finally give in to his hunger and he does finally bite her finally finally he ends up drinking so much from her though that he thinks he's killed her yeah yeah Yeah. oh boy so of course he starts to freak out because he's like oh my god i knew this was gonna happen she was fine of course but he's so pissed off that he does end up leaving the room of course now it's several hours later and the breed warriors are at the asylum so i guess they were waiting but not that long to do their payback mission i think before that though she tells him she has pictures on her camera of the interior of the asylum which they had never had access to before and the cameras apparently she took pictures of where the camera layout was too and he's like what and so he calls a meeting with what's left of the breed of the warriors and they look at her pictures which turn out to be really helpful of how they should plan their attack. Yes, they do. That was when she was in that asylum and that she thought it was a guy chased her out, but it was must have been a rogue that chased her out of there. I thought it was a minion. Oh, yes, a minion. Yeah. Okay. Either way, it was a bad guy. Yes. Now that they're like ready to go on this raid of the asylum and they know all of the ins and outs of the facility, Lucan ends up having a talk with his guys before they go in there. And he tells all of the guys that he plans on asking Gabrielle to be his mate. Why he can tell this to the guys, but he can't (laughs) tell this to her. I don't fucking get it. Well, right. He also at this time confesses to the other breed warriors that he is having issues with bloodlust and he feels like he's really close to succumbing to that issue. And he makes each of them promise to kill him if he gets so far gone, he turns rogue, including Tegan. And of course, Tegan doesn't really have a problem with that. Right. (laughs) He's basically like, my pleasure. I'll be the first one to line up. Yeah. So... While they're off doing all that, of course, because Lucan's last interaction with Gabrielle was the biting and the running off, she's now upset because she doesn't know that he wants to be her mate. Sure. She ends up stealing a car from the compound and driving back to her house because she's like, I'm over it. I'm sick of him making me feel like I'm a crazy person. All these mixed signals, like I'm done with him. So she gets back to her place She has even more messages from Kendra on her house phone and the messages are continuing to get more and more frantic and angry starts. Yeah. Kendra starts sounding less like herself and Gabrielle finally realizes that something is wrong with Kendra. And now she's thinking, Oh my God, she's probably a minion. It's like took you long (laughs) enough, but okay. Mm -hmm. She now tries to flee the apartment. She just got to, but it's too late because Kendra is there. Yes. As soon as she opens the door, she's waiting on the other side. And not only is Kendra there to kidnap her, but Kendra has also already kidnapped Jamie. Yeah. 
Poor Jamie. Poor Jamie doesn't have a clue as to what the hell's happening. Yeah, Jamie's like the bait that Kendra was going to use to lure Gabrielle into right. the car. And it works because now Gabrielle's in the car with them on the drive to Kendra's master's place, the rogue leader. Jamie is able to unlock the door and jump out of the car. He wants Gabrielle to come like with him, but Gabrielle's not able to because... Kendra or somebody else in the car grabs onto her and it's basically like Jamie served his purpose let him go it doesn't matter anymore right let's keep going right so now they meet up with the rogue leader the rogue leader ends up like wanting to take Gabrielle to the roof so he can take a helicopter from his like penthouse suite to wherever he's trying to go to but on the way there he tells Kendra to jump off the roof once the helicopter has taken off oh yeah that's <laughs> like damn that's pretty cold-hearted well he doesn't care about her anymore and Kendra's like what's going on where are you going he's taking Gabrielle up to the roof but he's not taking Kendra and she's like I don't understand what's happening and he's like well okay you can go up to the roof but then just jump off yeah poor Gabrielle too Gabrielle's like don't do it Kendra don't listen to him but Kendra's a minion now so she doesn't think for herself Correct. And he knows that someone has fed off of her recently. He can tell she's a broodmate. He says he can smell the warrior on her. Mm-hmm. And he tells her, oh, you're, you just get more and more fascinating. And he's asking her who bit you, but she won't tell him. She's like, go to hell. So they do take their helicopter ride from whatever, wherever his penthouse was. And they end up landing on the roof of the asylum. I think it's as soon as the helicopter like touches down that Luke can scent that Gabrielle is nearby. Yeah. Her scent is that strong. Yeah, apparently. He goes to the roof. The rogue leader does some, you know, typical bad guy taunting. <laughs> he, he tries... Okay, this part was... Wow. <laughs> so he does some, like, taunting to Lucan. Like, Nana, Nana, Boo Boo, I've got your woman. Yes. And he tries to take off in the helicopter again. But then Lucan... All I could picture was, like, a movie with The Rock in it or... <laughs> Like <laughs> Sylvester Stallone or mm-hmm. some sort of like action movie, because Lucan is able to hold on to part of the helicopter and prevent it from taking off. Yes, I was like, okay. Well, he's like, got that adrenaline rush that his mate is being kidnapped. But oh, I'm like, okay, I know you're like an alien, but how fucking heavy are you? And you're that strong that I you're able know. to hold on to the helicopter. So, anyways, the rogue leader ends up he ends up letting Gabrielle go. No. Or he, she ends up jumping out of the helicopter. Yeah, there's a fight and he's got a knife to her throat. And when he, Lucan notices that underneath the sleeves of his black trench coat are those dermographics. And he's like, well, he knew who it was right away as soon as he saw that. And mm-hmm. he, he ends up grabbing her. He kick, She does something. She kicks him or kicks the pilot or something and ends up, he's able to pull her free of the, the helicopter. Yes, but of course the rogue leader does his whole, this isn't over <laughs> declaration first. Yes, of course. We will meet again. Lucan ends up taking Gabrielle in his arms, scoops her right up, and he jumps off the roof of the asylum runs off and he tells Nikolai to blow the building up. Yes, because they've planted C4 all over the building. So now that rogue 
lair headquarters thing is no more. On the car ride, all of them together back to the breed compound, Lucan confesses that he recognized the rogue leader that was in the helicopter. He says he's actually not a rogue at all. He's a Gen 1 warrior named Merrick, and he's my brother. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a big reveal. Big reveal. And everybody is stunned in the vehicle because... He, I believe, was supposed to be dead. Both of his other brothers were supposed to be dead. One of them, like, walked into the sun, and I think the other one was killed in battle or something. Yeah. So one of his dead brothers is not so dead. Correct. He's undead. If you excuse my vampire joke. <laughs> yes. And Gabrielle realizes that Lucan's going to have to kill his own brother at some point. So they get back to the their compound and the savannah um and danica are taking care of gabrielle because now they're all like you know sisters in arms because they have this bond they're all breed mates and she's now part of their world she's a human with all the other human women yeah then this part to me just gets stupid she's like okay she goes what's gonna happen she's thinking to herself what my old life doesn't fit anymore what am i gonna do she once again goes walking towards his bedroom and she pushes open the door and there's red silk draped on the bed the floor near by the fireplace has cushions on the ground which are also crimson silk and it's very romantic and inviting and there's a line in here that says a room intended for lovemaking. I don't like that term. That term's gross. Yeah. And he's standing there in a loosely tied satiny red robe that <laughs> skates his bare calves. Okay. Go ahead. What do you think of this? <laughs> scene i liked in this scene that he had food for her because of course she eats because she's a human but he doesn't no oh, uh-huh and the food that he made for her was manicotti or mm. he had made for her manicotti because that's what she had made one night earlier in the book i thought the manicotti was in another time when she was in the be- bedroom with him now they're busy just you know getting ready to get it on this scene was fine for me he does i was kind of surprised this was how the book ended i guess yeah he does confess finally that he loves her he asks her if she'll complete the bond and they can complete the bond if she takes some of his blood of course she says yes of course so she like i don't remember the order of everything but she bites him they're having sex she's like drinking his blood turns out that vampire blood is an aphrodisiac (laughs) (laughs) yeah And she says something like, you couldn't have told me that it was an aphrodisiac. And he's like, what? And ruin the surprise? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's basically how the book ends is just them, you know, having fun, sexy times in the bed, finally completing their bond. There was no epilogue or anything. Nope. That's it. That's the end. That's the end. So what'd you think? Would you rate it? <laughs> I want you to go first. I hated this book. <laughs> it was torture for me to read it. It was okay. stupid. I couldn't wait for it to be over. I give it a zero panty rating. There's nothing in this book that I thought was sexy or appealing or enticing. There's it just was not for me. Wow. A zero. I don't a think zero. he's ever given anything a zero. Well, I'm trying not to do negatives anymore. 
Oh, well, that's true. You did give something a negative. <laughs> yeah, and I'm certainly not going to give it even one star because I, I just, the caliber of writing, it was not for me. And I, I'm sorry to the author and people that love her and love her books. It just, it's it's not the type of thing for me. Okay. Huh. I'm afraid to hear your rating. Yeah, I'm afraid to tell you my rating. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Okay, well, now you have the polar opposite of people that do like this kind of writing review. Go ahead. Yeah, I... (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, and rightfully so. (laughs) I really liked this book. Wow. But you know what's funny is that I really liked this book while I was reading it, but then doing this podcast with you and talking about things, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was kind of stupid. Or, oh, yeah, that didn't really make sense. Or, yeah, that's an... So, like, things Mm -hmm. that I didn't up on the first time I was reading it now talking to you about the book they stand out more well I'm glad I could open your eyes don't tell me that your mother still can't teach you things okay well it gets worse can I continue oh dear god (laughs) (laughs) okay I just gotta remember not to disown you so go ahead okay I actually liked this book so much that I actually continued reading the series I knew you you were gonna say that you kept asking me what are you reading and I was like I'm just listening to an audiobook because I didn't want to tell you that I was still reading the series your shame should have told you (laughs) you've got to sneak it's obviously wrong my dirty little secret of what I'm reading Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to tell you well how many books in the series did you read okay so I actually didn't want to tell you that I was still reading this series because we don't discuss right unless we're on the podcast so I didn't want to tell you I was still reading the series because then you would know that I liked it correct and I didn't want to tell you that I was burning my kindle because then you'd know (laughs) Because you hated it. Yes. Okay. I actually really liked this book, obviously. I'm actually on book number four. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, God. Okay. I was just reading them, like, back to back. I've just been reading them nonstop since we... I don't know. But, you know, I will say that I like the other books, maybe... I don't know if I would say I like them more, but the writing style is better. Better than the first one? Yeah, it doesn't have like the weird like things like saying the word sheath and like the weird sex scenes where you're like that bathtub blowjob isn't even possible. Like, yeah, they don't really have that kind of stuff in the other books. And he's not performing oral sex on her and while she's sleeping. And she's an assault victim now. Okay, I will say that I want to go back and reread that scene because I swear when I read it the first time, I swear she woke up before he did stuff. Because that is gross if she never, like, in fact, woke up. She did not but then, wake up. Yeah, because, no. Okay, go ahead. Because you're quote, but when I read it the first time, I could have sworn that she woke up enough to be like, this is, I don't know. All right, go back and read. Make sure you let me know what you find out. And you know what? There's a book for everybody and everybody for a book. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm glad that you could read more of her books if that's what makes you happy. But I went back and I am reading the next um horde king book uh five isn't it book number yeah five? it's good is that one with the bastard son that no they're not no they're not talking about him 
Okay. They're talking about what's happening uh, with the with the fog, the red fog, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do because it's growing. But who's the main guy in that one? A horde king. Well, okay. You don't want to tell me which horde he's from? Yeah. This Is book, it a secret? No, it's not a secret. I just, I can't remember his name. Oh. <laughs> Rowan. Uh, How could I not remember that name? Rowan. I love that name and I love that warrior from Sarah Mass. Um, it's called Taken by the Horde King. So yeah, it introduces some good characters and you should go back and read that. See, I'd rather read something like that than read more of this. Okay, so I, even though how outlandish it was that the whole alien origins of the mm -hmm. vampire race. I kind of liked that because I've never seen that before. Yeah, I definitely will give her kudos for bringing in something that has, it's new. And, you know, it's hard to find something new to write about, I'm sure, and to make it interesting. So I definitely will give her kudos for have doing something no. The book I'm reading right now is Rio's book. How can you read these books and not read the J.R. Ward books? Uh, oh, God. I knew you were going to ask. I'm, like, not a huge fan of that series, actually. <laughs> uh, because you read one book? No, I've read a few books in that series. Oh, you have? I think I've read three books in that series. Well, I think you're crazy. Two I think they're, they're okay, but... So in the J.R. Ward Black Dagger Brotherhood series, the bad guys in that series are, I can't even remember what they're called, but they all have their, uh, their names start with like a letter. Okay. Their name is a letter, I should say, right? I didn't notice that, but okay. The bad guys, the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah, the bad guys in the JR. Yeah, they're all like Mr. O and Mr. W and Mr. You haven't noticed that? Oh, oh, those. Okay. I thought you meant, you know, like their minions. Oh, no. So like the main bad guys that that organization, whatever they're Well, they're called. supposed to be secretive. Yes. In that book series, POVs that we get, like here, we get the POV a little bit of the rogue leader. In that J.R. Ward series, I feel like we get a lot of POV from the bad guys' perspectives. Obviously, if it's a POV. What mm -hmm. am I saying? Yeah. We get a lot from their point of view. Okay. I don't care at all about the bad guys in that book. And when I read those books, I will literally skip the entire chapter. That's from their point of view. <laughs> like, Well, maybe that's why you don't like the series is you're not, um, I don't know. Just the relationship between the Black Dagger brothers and their women are, is enough for me to love that series. Their interactions are, I think, great. And I know that you didn't like the bad guy point of view series, but I, I think you have to, I mean, the whole thing of this book is the Omega, you know, the creator and the Omega and, oh God, what's her name? I'm like blanking the virgin. There, It's just the yin and the yang of everything. So you have the yin and the yang of the good guys and the bad guys. When I read the first book, I did read like the whole thing, mm -hmm. but I just got really bored really quickly with the bad guys perspectives. Okay. Kind of like in this series too, how each human woman has some sort of special power. Mm -hmm. That was kind of different also. Well, in the Rebecca Zanotti series, the women all are enhanced females and they all have some power. So to me, that part of it had been said and done before. Maybe that's okay. why this book didn't appeal to me too, is that 
it was kind of love the retelling again of the vampire warrior and the women that love them. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why. Yeah, that's true. I don't know why sometimes the book works for me and sometimes it doesn't. Maybe it's just because I'm a mood reader. A mood so, reader? Is yeah, that like, like a mood I, ring? Or? Yes. Just, <laughs> just, like the, just like these alien vampires. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if I'm, you know, if I'm like in a happy mood, then I'll read happy books. Or if I'm in like a, like PMS-y depressed mood, I'll want something really angsty. Or oh, I get it. Okay. Sometimes I want something light and fluffy. Sometimes I could handle something like, I don't know. Well, there are times where I am flipping back and forth. It's like, maybe I'll start this book. And it's like, no, I can't get into it. Maybe I'll start that book. Because I'm not in the mood. You won't be stealing all of the copies from the library. I can have free reign over all of them. Yeah, so this is book one of 18. I'm not sure how, because there's like six warriors. So yeah. they must get more warriors. I was going to say, they're going to have to get more warriors. Because one, they need them. If they're yeah. going to continue fighting for this this war. What else was I going to tell you? Oh, I started listening to... Uh, I was pay I spent a lot of yesterday painting. Okay. Uh, a Court of Thorn and Roses I started listening to on tape. Oh, I thought you were going to listen to a Ruby Dixon one. You know what? I got halfway or a little more pa past that in the Ice Planet Barbarian Ruby Dixon book. And it's really hard for me to listen to people saying those words. Like I put my cock and her pussy or it's just like it's something i'd rather read than listen to okay interesting i thought you were gonna say you didn't like the narrator no not at all and no okay i like listening to it because i like the way you hear you learn how to pronounce the names mm -hmm. that's definitely helps me sometimes yeah i'm still listening to book two in the bridgerton series the viscount who loved me and i am absolutely shocked what? at how different the book is really? from the tv show no kidding i felt like book one book one and season one of the netflix show kind of aligned pretty closely mm -hmm. in this one it's absolutely completely different it's not even close like oh, i wow. didn't like season two of the show i didn't either i was very and disappointed yeah i didn't like how heavily antony was pursuing the sister and they even like make it to the altar yeah. and all of these things and the whole time her sister is having this like undercover relationship with him correct the book isn't like that at all he barely interacts with the sister huh. he spends like 90 percent of his time with kate well that would have been better woman. yeah the woman he makes up he ends up with um he never even gets engaged to the sister let alone to the altar where they have this big reveal yeah that would have been a huge scandal if being caught alone in a garden with a man is a huge scandal, being left at the altar is would be a tremendous scandal in that family. I can see how they took creative license because they want to make it a show and they need to change things up and they wanted to like add drama to it. But to me, it just didn't work in the show. Mm -hmm. And I actually really disliked all of the characters in the show. But in the book, I'm really liking the book. Well, maybe so, I'll start listening to it again. I, you know, I never understood. And this happens time and time again, when they rewrite, when they do the screenplay, why do they have to change it? That's why I, that is exactly why Stephen King's books are amazing and terrifying. And then they rewrite them and they're hor they for the screen and they're terrible movies. They're they're horrible. Just follow the 
freaking script in the book. I don't get it. I'm not a writer. I don't know what the process is for them having to do that. But especially if I was the author of the book, I'd be like, no, you're not changing my, you know, that's my creation. You're not changing that. This is the way I want it to be. In the television series, I got to tell you, the whole time I could not understand why Kate was pushing so much for her sister to get married. I really thought it was going to come out that this girl was her daughter. Okay. Because Kate looked so much older to me than the girl that played the sister. Mm-hmm. She really did. Yeah. I'm like, it's going to turn out that it's her mother. I, I don't understand. I don't understand why the mother wasn't in charge of all this stuff and Kate was. And I was very disappointed in the season, the that season two of Bridgerton, mm-hmm. because season one, oh my God, how many times have I watched that? Well, season one, I also liked the characters more. And season two, I just didn't like the characters because of how they're portraying their secret relationship. Yeah, I didn't like it either. I didn't find it appealing. All oh, right. Well. well, since we know the everything about everything. Well, I wanted a memory refresh on that Court of Thorns and Roses. I want a memory refresh on that. So how is the audiobook? Is it good? It's good. Okay. I love that series. So. I do too. <laughs> well, at least we agree on something. I know. Shocker. Shocker is right. <laughs> so I think all we have left is to reveal what the next book is. Okay. So our next book is going to be Fall in Deep, a book one of the Deep Sea Chronicles. And the author is Alira. Anaya Cerise. Apologies in advance if I butchered every single one of her names. Well, I'm really glad you're the one to announce it. (laughs) Because I'm like, huh? What? Okay. So this one is, she looks like a mermaid on the cover, but she's actually a siren. So siren is a mermaid. We haven't done before. Aren't they the same thing? Um, I think they're a more deadly version of a mermaid. Oh, that's how I think of them. I remember I used to work with a girl and her name was Lorelei. And I go, Laura, it was the first time I heard that name. I go, oh, that's really pretty. She goes, yeah, it means a siren that would cause sailors to drown or go to their death on the rocks. And I thought, oh, that's lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little morbid, but okay. Yeah, it was funny. So that's it. That's- Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com and check the show notes for a link to all of our social media. Mm-hmm.